Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Bridget. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Beth. Hi. How are you guys? I'm great. (laughs) I'm very happy to be with you, Bridget. I'm happy to be with you guys, too. Would you tell the people a little bit about yourself? I'm a teacher. I teach ninth and 10th grade English language arts, and we are winding down our last, like, two weeks of classes right now, and it's been fun, and that is definitely a euphemism for what I actually mean. (laughs) I teach... So I teach teenagers. I live in Washington, D.C., and here in D.C., uh, we have a very large immigrant population, including the largest immigrant population from El Salvador anywhere in the world. So um, most of my students are from El Salvador, and some others are from Ethiopia, Vietnam, and other places in Central and South America, but most of them are little Salvadorinos hanging out with me which has been interesting lately and pretty stressful for all of us. Some of the immigration stuff has been tough, but luckily we have a great um, support system here in D.C. in our schools and in our community to support undocumented students or unaccompanied minors, um, exactly the kind of kids that are showing up in the news right now as being missing. So, um, you know, you see the where are the children. A lot of those children actually are here in the United States and in in school and in your classroom in my classroom but they just don't have contact info that the government can figure out where they are but my kids are awesome and it's great that I have such a strong community here at school because I am a single girl here in DC my little pitch for myself I'm in my late 20s I'm originally from the midwest uh, I'm very religious love living in northeast DC uh, I like live music exercise <laughs> The outdoors. Is this uh, your dating profile? Yep. I figured this was a good time to drop that in, just in case <laughs> anyone you know, knows anyone or uh, has a man in mind for me. Well, um, all that matters, Bridget, is that you're a catch. Thanks, Beth. <laughs> People need to know. So, Bridget, I'm very excited to have you on because I love this question from Miriam that we got on the Anchor app, and I think it'll be really fun to have this conversation with you and Beth today. So here is the question from Miriam all the way over from Australia. Ooh. Hi, I just wanted to say thank you for all you're doing for Blessed Is She and especially for your podcast and blog. I really enjoy it. I'm calling all the way from Australia and I just love the way you talk about the tenderness of God. And I was just wondering if you could talk more about how to remember or tap into the tenderness of God in very emotionally difficult moments, um, especially moments where you just don't even feel like praying at all and you can't even relate to the idea that you are loved by anyone and by God. Thank you. Love you guys. God bless. Bye. We love you, Miriam. Mm. Oh, Miriam, I feel that so deeply. What a sweet soul. Because I'll tell you, I feel that way a lot, but my response is not to be like, I want to tap into the tenderness of Mm. God. A lot of the times it's, why is everyone out to get me? And getting Mm. really 
my uh, haunches up and feeling like I can be mad instead of uh, her response, which is so beautiful, of wanting to return to that eternal fawn of tenderness. Boy, that's so true. That's not always my default reaction in a time where I'm feeling isolated or how did she put it? That she's not even able to receive love or sensing love from people around her Mm -hmm. to turn back to the Lord. Yeah, Bridget, I know that you've gone through a lot of different transitions in your life, especially being from the Midwest and moving. And those are big changes to do, especially as a single woman, I think, kind of stepping out into the unknown. And have there been times where you felt isolated from the Lord, even just by those external circumstances? To be honest with you guys, I feel that way most of the time. I don't live near family. I'm single. I had a great community here for a long time. A lot of people have left. So I used to have a really strong group of friends. I was really tight knit here, but a lot of them have moved on to other things or have gone through life changes. So even if they're still in the city, their lives look different now than they did when maybe we were 23, 24 years old. Because that's natural. That's what happens. Life's change. But one of the things that I've really been struggling with is not turning it into a pity party for myself. Mm. Instead, seeing it as an opportunity for deeper love and a deeper connection with the Lord. So I'm I'm a member of the Communion and Liberation Movement, founded by Servant of God, Luigi Giussani, in Italy in the last century. And um, I was at my School of Community, which is sort of our weekly, um, it's kind of like a small group, but I don't want to label it that. It, it does have its own charism. It's a lay ecclesial movement in the church. And I was at my school of community last week and was talking to one of my girlfriends there and she is about the same age as me also single and actually she has lost both of her parents so not only is she physically not near them they're not here on this earth either and I was speaking with her because she has such a deep comfort in knowing that Jesus has a plan for her and knowing that Jesus has what is best for her in his plan all the time. So I was saying to her, how do you have this deep reliance, this deep comfort in the Lord's plan for you? Because I don't, I just don't. Mm. I'm so often questioning, did I do something wrong? And that's why I haven't met someone. And maybe I should be doing something different or maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Maybe I should be living somewhere else. Maybe I should make a change because maybe it's my fault that I'm single even though there's nothing wrong with being single or maybe it's my fault that I don't have the right community or maybe it's my fault that I, you know, I'm not doing the right things. And she was saying, Bridget, no, this is an opportunity to actually hand over that need for um, self-reliance and actually have a deeper vulnerability with Jesus and have a deeper vulnerability with the Father and with the Spirit and say, move my life the way that you want it, not the way that I want it, my will, not yours. And so listening to Miriam's call is exactly the questions I've been asking lately and what I've been working through myself. And it truly is the greatest challenge of my life right now. Well, I mean, honestly, Bridget, I'm just so taken by your vulnerability and your transparency. I mean, I, I feel and think a lot of those things as a single woman, but I don't, think even those kinds of worries and imaginings are specific to being single. Oh, absolutely not. It is something that no matter the state of life, we're always wondering, like, 
is this what was meant for me? Is this the path I'm supposed to be walking? And does God have a loving plan prepared, a loving a loving seat in, in his home at the table? Bridget, I actually saw this post on Instagram. You know, when you're just like scrolling kind of mindlessly and then something just hits you between the eyes. Um, yeah, that's the story of my life, man. <laughs> so it said, you can't miss your boat. It's yours. It stays docked till ah. you're ready. The only boat you can miss is someone else's. Let them have theirs while you wait for yours. Uh, I think about my students. I plan every lesson for them, not because I'm worried about, you know, not because I have to, not because it's in my contract that I have to have a lesson plan. Like I could come in and wing it if I really wanted to, but I plan every lesson because I want the best for them. And I have my tenderness and out of my love for my students. So if I'm planning a lesson for 50 crazy people who I have to stop and keep myself from yelling at 35 times a day, then I imagine God, who has never wanted to yell at me ever, has an even better lesson planned for me or for my life, you know, and that's out of love. That's out of tenderness. And God's plan for us is based in his love for us. Like that is why he has a plan for us. It's not because um, it's required. I mean, whenever I think of tenderness, I'm like Bridget, I like think about children or kids or people who need a lot of love, which is everyone, I guess, but the more like vulnerable ages. So I think a lot about my daughters and how I'm like a minuscule. Well, you're an image. You're a Yeah, but it, it's vessel? like he loves me so much more than I could ever love them. Mm. You know, I'm just a teeny, teeny dot of tenderness and love compared to his love for us. I think it's a learned behavior. I think one mm. beautiful encounter with the Lord's tenderness is meant to, in some ways train you for the next one so the consolation is meant for that situation for that moment for those emotions but we're also supposed to be learning from it to say that the next time we're in pain we're meant to remember who the lord is and remember his tenderness and return to him have you ever gotten the advice beth or jenna when you can't find the lord go back to the last place you saw him or met him Mm -hmm. I think that is exactly like so true in terms of an answer maybe or my one suggestion for Miriam is that when I'm struggling it's not always the same place that I go back to either you're it's like remembering those different moments of tenderness and being like when was the last one where was the last time I saw you Lord was it in spiritual reading was it in scripture was it in adoration was it in the mass was it in you know, relationship, like where did you last encounter him most really yeah. and going back to that place? I think for me, I've been guilty of being a consumer in the spiritual life that like when I approach my prayer life, I always want something new. And, and the Lord is <laughs> inexhaustible, always giving new insight and images and unpacking the scriptures in a new and different way. But I can be a bit consumeristic and want something new every time. So I find even like when I go to my journal every day or when I go to the scriptures every morning during my prayer time, I'm always wanting something new. Kind of like, Lord, here's what we have to tackle today. Here's the new agenda. But I've gotten into this really lovely habit of going back and reading 
if not only the previous day, even a couple of weeks ago or months ago in my journal. Because I think in the moment, sometimes I can be so worked up, so emotional that even though the Lord is giving me beautiful consolation and wisdom, because I'm in like a heightened emotional state, I'm not even able to totally receive or absorb it. And so for me to go back helps again with that training, like rewiring my brain and learning the habit of coming back to the Lord to receive his tenderness rather than just moving on and expecting him to do it all over again, which he will, but to, to really receive what he's already done. I wonder if it's helpful to go back to where is it that you started feeling alone? Like, why mm-hmm. Why do you feel like that tenderness is gone in the first place? What is that? That What was that moment where... When did you lose your peace? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I've been thinking about is I've been letting other people steal my peace, especially recently teenagers. As I mentioned, it is June in a public school. The kids are losing their minds. Sometimes that's actually like my impatience to move ahead is the best sign that I actually do need to stop and slow down. And I've started realizing that in other parts of my life as well, that the moments when I most want to hurry up are exactly the moments when the Lord is telling me that I need to slow down and like look back to him. But Beth, also in terms of revisiting old journals, I've talked before uh, in some different Blessed She products and platforms about some horrible flooding that I lived through last year in my apartment. And a bunch of my journals got damaged, so I started typing them up so that I wouldn't totally lose them. And I was typing up a journal from a retreat that I went on three years ago, and I realized I was in such a beautiful place of consolation and spiritual fullness at that time Mm -hmm. that revisiting my journals from a time where I felt that way with the Lord helped me re-enter that space in such a real way. And I really found it to be a beautiful experience. And it ha- it really made me value all those experiences that I have had on retreat and being really intentional about capturing those moments in writing. So I'm looking forward to doing that again at the Wild Retreat because I haven't gotten to go on it yet. I think we've really hit the nail on the head that in a time of crisis, it's hard to enter in and be present to something new. And so to have like a touchstone or an anchor, something to go back to is really crucial, right? I think it reminds me of Ignatian spirituality and the whole practice of entering into the gospels. Ignatian contemplation is what it's called, where where you enter in and you experience the gospel as though you were there. Maybe you're one of the apostles, maybe you're a a bystander, but you're, you're not only observing, but even interacting with Jesus or the apostles or with Mary and the Holy spirit is so generous and will use your imagination vividly to broaden that image and to flesh it out. And that place then becomes a place of encounter. So in a time of crisis, if I'm worked up about something, I can go back to a precious place where I've already experienced intimacy with God, where I know Jesus is waiting for me, where I know that Mary has already spoken to my heart in that place. The nativity is one of those places. I go back all, all the time to the nativity, so much so that when I pray with that image, it feels like I'm going home. It feels like I'm going back to my mm. parents' house for a visit, you know? And so I think it's so important to, to put down roots in the scriptures 
and put down roots in prayer or in your journal so that you have something to return to. Beth, I love that idea of putting down roots because I am such a rootless person. I've moved seven times in the last eight years. No, eight times in the last seven years, something like that. And I am not a person who is very settled. I I move around a lot. I am moving apartments tomorrow, actually. And because I've moved so often and because it's so rootless a lot of the time, it, I love that idea of having our roots in the Lord because... You think about, like, who are the most rooted people? It's people who have most fully realized who they are in Christ. It doesn't have anything to do with their physical reality. Like, think about St. Francis. He wasn't settled. Or I think about my friends who are in religious life within um, religious orders. They can get moved anywhere at the drop of a hat. They're at the will of their provincial. And they're some of the freest, most rooted people. And it's because their roots are not in this in this physical world they're in in the lord so beth i just love that idea of putting our roots down in christ yeah i think i think it comes down to identity really understanding and like deeply believing our identity as beloved daughters and sons of god that if that is settled if nothing can call into question our worth or our value or our dignity if there if that's not on the table then we're secure because we're secure in him. Yeah, I keep coming back to that. I was just, I did my first Blessed Is She, Blessed Conversation small group last night with a couple other writers, and it was really special. It was just on Google Hangouts. So it was just sweet to be able to, to talk to each other all around the country, you know? And Bridget, we were actually doing your study, so it was really cool. Oh, it, it, the first session oh was gosh. talking about your flooding, too. So oh um, just like, I, I don't know, it's, I it's just cool flooded to again. Like, to be able to kind of tap into your life and for you to share vulnerably in there was, was really beautiful. So one of the questions is, take some time to reflect on a few of your own new beginnings. Where have you experienced tangible graces during times of transitions? And so I talked about how I'm finally coming into my own, in my own prayer mm. life, and how for the first time I find consolation and love in the Lord. And I don't have to look to it as much from other people. I still do heavily value my friendships that are rooted in Christ, but that I'm able to actually go to him for the first time in my life. And I have confidence that he's going to shower me with grace and with love. And I've never felt that before in my entire life. And I do think it's all about the habit of coming to him, even when you don't feel like it, but it's the habit of continuing to go back. And, and for me, it's, it's reading the word for the first time in my life to actually read it and, and attempt to study it. I definitely don't actually know what I'm doing, which I think a lot of the time is what has held me back for a lot of my life is I don't know how to study scripture, but it's really just reading it and trying to see how it applies to my life. And again, for the first time, I feel tangible grace from the Lord and tenderness and love from him just by that habit of me spending five minutes with him, 10 minutes with him every single day, which has been huge and totally out of character, I guess, for my life. Jenna, I think that's so smart because I think about my friends who talk about intimacy in their marriages, or I talk about needing to call my mom or spending time with friends or making sure I have a conversation with a student. If I wasn't showing up for those people consistently or if people who are married or in relationships aren't showing up for their partner 
consistently. Like you would not be surprised if that relationship didn't feel right. If I wasn't spending time with my students or talking to my parents or seeing my friends and those relationships started to suffer, I would be like, of course, I haven't been showing up for those people. But so often I think about my relationship with God. And if I'm not feeling the reality of that, have I been showing up for him the way that he shows up for me? Yeah. You have to spend time with the Lord to learn what he's like. You don't want to spend time with a person that you, you don't trust right? Someone that (laughs) Mm -hmm. you're afraid is mad at you (laughs) or is punishing you. So you, you stay away from prayer. And I, I do think some of that is the work of the enemy. And some of that I think is just our, you know, grade school catechesis or surface level introduction to the gospel that we don't really know who God is and what he's about, but we have some assumptions. We make some assumptions about him, but we really, we have to spend time with the Lord to to truly know who he is, to learn his character, and to let him really show us what he's like. It's beautiful learning to know the Lord. It's one of the greatest gifts of my life, learning to know him, even when it's hard. It's why I am who I am. It's how I got here is only because I've come to know who God is, who he really is, not just who I thought he was, not who other people told me he was, even like holy, well-meaning Catholic people in ministry it has to be your own. It has to be Mm -hmm. your own encounter and experience with his tenderness, with his mercy. You have to hear him say your name. You have to feel his presence in your own suffering and longing. It has to be personal. And he delights to do that. He wants to reveal who he truly is. He doesn't want us to walk around with all these wrong assumptions about the kind of guy he is, you know, (laughs) he wants to correct us because he loves us and because he wants to be even closer. It's so real. And I think that's what it boils down to for Miriam, that I would say, just keep going back, even when it's dry, even when you're experiencing desolation, it's not all desolation. It's not all dryness. The life, the life of the Lord is there waiting for you. Yeah. Keep showing up and keep going back. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Bridget, what a gift you are and what a gift to talk to you. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, I love you guys. Um, I love you. I'm so happy. I'm, it was a nice respite in my day after a day of teenagers, and now I'm about to go into a night of teenagers. So <laughs> it, it, it was really nice to talk to, to, talk to some adults. <laughs> Yay. Good. Praise the Lord. Should we pray? Yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, my Lord, thank you for always being present to me, even when I am not sure that you are there, or even when I am experiencing suffering and dryness. I know in my heart of hearts that you are always present to me and to everyone who seeks you. Be with us and everyone who's listening through this weekend and this next week. Protect us, keep us safe, and fill our hearts with your joy and your consolation. Amen. 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 Thank you, Bridget. Thank you, guys. Happy Friday. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time. <laughs>